You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome back to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. This is episode two. Where do I begin? Our hope is that we really want to inspire and equip you to start outreach communities that will reach new people for God in your town or in your city. Uh, If you learned something from today's teaching, we would love it if you would like it and share it on social media. That would be so helpful to us. And for you, uh, make sure that you go to thesendmovement.com. Uh, to download today's show notes. That will be really helpful to process uh, with your team and your church leaders. Um, Today, I've got another interview. Uh, Andy Bacon, welcome to the show. Um, Andy is a great friend of mine that I met in Sheffield, England, and somebody who I had started an outreach community with. And so we wanted to talk about some of the challenges and also um, um, some of the, the, the great things that God accomplished through us in our time of, in Sheffield. So um, here he is, Andy Bacon. Hi, John. Great to be with you. Um, excited to be part of this adventure, this podcast with you today. Yeah, bringing from South Carolina, sunny South Carolina. So great to be with you, John. That's awesome, man. I'm calling from Indiana, and it is cold and wet here, so I'd rather be <laughs> down with you there in South Carolina. Ten years ago, we were called together to reach a specific people group. There are university students in Sheffield called Hallam University, and we both felt like God was calling us to do this mission. Now, looking back at some of the things that we did at the start, is I find absolutely hilarious at the time, these were great challenges, and they weren't so funny. And my hope for you guys um, listening to this podcast is that you can avoid some of the things that tripped us up at the beginning so that you can start your mission off on the right foot. So, yeah, Andy, I wanna, I'd just love you for you to tell a little bit of the story about how we got started trying to reach these Hallam University students what was it like? Yeah. What, how did we start? Um, yeah, just go ahead and tell the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, it's crazy that that was 10 years ago, like 2019 now. And um, I've been thinking about this day, knowing that obviously you asked me to be part of the podcast today and sort of reflecting on it a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, I think the group, the Facebook group I'm looking at started in 2009. Exactly, so it's ten ten years, isn't it? Which is is crazy. Um, but obviously, me and me and yourself were housemates, and you know, we we were. I was a Hallam student myself. I was a student nurse, and I actually started my course in 2009. And obviously, we we met together, became good friends and housemates, and we felt called to start this community to Hallam Hallam students. And I, I'm seeing here that we wanted to see Jesus transform our lives and the lives of those people around us as part of the Hallam University. It was just, just great. What an amazing opportunity we had, you know, two friends. We, we got to know each other really quickly, didn't we? You know, I remember the first week when you moved over to the UK and um, 
we developed this good, strong, solid friendship that and encountered Jesus together in our own house and as a community. And I think our that God gave us the call to then reach out um, to the Hallam community, uh, which was just, yeah, which was amazing. So, yeah, we both felt called together. And so things were a little bit different. We were kind of given this um, task to do from the church uh, with a very specific way um, in doing right. that. They wanted us to do a worship service um, yeah. to start off with. Talk a little bit about, you know, how did that work out? Where did we meet? I'd love for you to talk about that journey. So we were tasked with um, starting a worship service on Ecclesall Road in Sheffield, which is a great part of the city of Sheffield. Sheffield's a fantastic city, um, and St. Tom's, the church we're part of, wonderful church, wonderful community. We were tasked to go and start a worship service uh, down at Varsity, hence the name Varsity. Varsity was a pub on Ecclesall Road. We were going to start a worship service there on Sunday mornings with a specific task of having Hallam students there and have a community of Hallam students meet in to worship Jesus um, in the pub and have like a small short talk, um, some worship and just like bacon buddies. I remember we had bacon buddies, didn't we? And tea and coffee. And it was fun being able to do that. It was a lot of fun having bacon on a Sunday morning with friends. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And so at the beginning, we had quite a few students, but how did that go after a while? So there was a group of us from the church that were sent down who kind of supported alongside a few of the Hallam students that we had at that point. So I think at that point, I don't remember exactly how many numbers, but we were we were a small group of, of Hallam students. And then we had some of the other, I think some of the students from the Sheffield of Uni cluster came and helped us kind of as we were getting started and yeah it was good to sort of gather and to worship Jesus but I think that at that point we just kind of didn't really grow very much um we didn't really see many um people um come along to the group it kind of I guess it kind of stagnated didn't it um it was it was fun it was exciting to start with but it soon kind of tailed off and it seemed I think it became clear to us that this wasn't kind of the way that we were gonna reach out to the students of Hallam University. Even though it was it was kind of fun to start out with, it was great to worship, but really we weren't doing anything really different from what we would be doing if we just say go to church up at Crooks with everybody else. Um but it was a good I feel like it was a good starting point and I think obviously it was good for us to start out that way, but it, I think really it probably just didn't. It didn't provide us the mm. connections uh, yeah. with people who we wanted to reach people for for Jesus, and you know we weren't really able to do that in the way that we wanted to. I think through that model. Yeah, I can remember putting a lot of. Um, I mean, obviously you were leading the worship. I was kind of yeah. preaching, and right. Um, it was a lot of time, effort, energy, and money, with little results and little right. relationships actually built from that, and we we weren't really reaching anybody. And yeah. by October, I can remember even the, the students that were dedicated and at the start, the Christian, already Christian students that would go and plant with us, they kind of, they stopped coming because it got cold, it got rainy. And <laughs> I mean, not that they, yeah, I mean, not that they were flaky or anything like that. I probably would have stopped coming too. I mean, they walked a long right. ways to get there, but it, it just didn't yeah. work. I think that was a big challenge yeah. for us. But then we actually, went kind of back to the drawing board on like what we wanted to do and also the church since we weren't reaching anybody didn't really want to pump a lot of money 
into running right. this pub and paying for all these yeah. bacon sandwiches and stuff. What was the turning point, do you think, that helped us really gain momentum in that mission? We were excited to start with the idea of meeting in a pub and worshipping together and having people gather in that sort of way was exciting to start out with. But alongside that, I remember that me, um, yourself, and a few other guys, uh, and I think the girls would, were meeting, the girls who were part of our group were also meeting alongside that. Obviously, there was a Sunday gathering that we would meet in the in the pub, but what was going on, uh, the grassroots of that was there was a, a small group of people who were meeting week in, week out. I remember we had like a life life transformation group, I think we called it, with me, you, and another another chap, and I think maybe a few other guys came along to that as well, where we were just sharing life with one another. We were being real, transparent, authentic, whatever word you want to use to describe it, where we would just be real. And I think when people are real like that, when they share their authenticity, that works horizontally with our relationships with one another, but it also works vertically with our relationship with God in that when you have that sort of connection with people, it often makes it easier then to have a more authentic relationship with the one who created us because it allows us to, I don't know, it's a healing thing, isn't it? When you have healing relationships with people, and I think those groups created that and just some like authentic community. Yeah. Um, so, so even though, and we would just walk through each other's, you know, day-to-day lives with one another, which uh, I think we met up weekly at least, and I think we probably met up more than that and had food and, um, you know, we'd hang out in people's houses, we'd get to know each other's friends. Yeah, yeah, I remember it became a lifestyle for us. It wasn't about yeah. a service or that. We we spent a lot of time together. We prayed a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And we began just kind of going out and meeting other people. Um, I can yeah. remember you had a great idea of actually going to other people's birthday parties and, you know, meeting right. people out in the coffee shops and not just yeah. inviting people to our thing, but going to their yeah. thing. Right. Which, when you think about it, when you look at the the founder of our faith, Jesus, <laughs> you look at the way that he modeled the, that. I mean, he'd never, often, he went to where people were. He didn't, he didn't, I don't think there's many places where he said, come and hang, you know, maybe he did say that. He probably did a mixture of both, but I think that you look at Jesus and he went out to the towns and the villages. He went out to the places where people were. And then out of those encounters, those maybe larger groups that he went to, whether it was a party or a wedding or, a, you know, or a, just encountering people on the way, out of that came connection, out of that came relationship. And those, some of those relationships that he made as he went out led to, you know, deeper relationship friendships. And that's how I guess he found his disciples, didn't he? And people then started to follow him and, you know, he said, come and follow me. So I guess then he went out and then he said, come, follow me. And, and that's how his community grew around him, I guess. Yeah. And I think I think that, that our idea of doing that came from just looking at the way that Jesus did his ministry, the way that he lived his life. And we were like, oh, maybe we should kind of look at what he's doing. That kind of makes sense. <laughs> and I think, you know, so the worship service kind of trickled out, didn't it? Because we found actually the fruit of what's happening in our connections with one another, the the people that we have relationships with in our wider circle. Why don't we maybe make that our focus? Mm. Um, 
and and just focus our connections and, and stuff there. And I think that's where we started to see a change, you know. Yeah, it was like people's um, other Christians that we knew, their housemates or what they call flatmates yeah. in England. Um, there yeah. was, um, you know, friends of friends. Uh, you know, we would just meet people kind of in the social spaces at Starbucks. I remember we used to go to the Starbucks all the time and yeah. just, no, you know. absolutely. Yeah. Lots of not, uh, the people who worked in there, they became like friends really didn't they i remember we you know we all, you i know you were very good at knowing a lot of them all by name and stuff which was really cool so i and, and i think you know what's interesting is i think even though we maybe became more like we, we spread ourselves out you know through the connections that we had you know each, each individual who was part of the, the cluster or the community had all those wider connections that then didn't just become their connections. It, it almost it became our connections. It was the group's connections. The vision that God gave us for the, that particular year, it said, was to plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. And I think what happened was we were the, the small groups within the bigger groups, so like when we met together in Starbucks as a small group or just where there was a really a few of us who were extremely committed to the group, we were seeking the transformation of our own hearts through seeking God together and through worship and through prophesying and prayer and all that kind of stuff. We were doing that as individuals. And I think then what happened, it, it, it translated. We were excited. We passionate. It translated into then the connections that we had as a wider group. Um, and then as a result of that, I think that then our group then started to multiply because we, I think by this point we probably stopped doing the worship service, but we started to see the the result of our lives were being transformed as individuals. Whether myself, I know that I was. I feel like you were and Esther and other people, you know, a part of the group were, their lives were being transformed as we walked this journey of faith together. And it was it became evident to people who met us. We became an attractive group. We became what Jesus. I mean, Jesus was an attractive person because of the things that he did. He went around healing people, and people would seek him out. They'd be like, "Where's Jesus today? Let's go find him." I feel like our group started to take on, not to sound too kind of pride or proudful, but I think that we modelled it, and that people were attracted to that, and they wanted to hang out with us. It became, we became an attractive group. That's the church at its best, isn't it? It's a life-giving community where it's inclusive. And so we had a wide range of people who ended up coming along to our groups and we went along to their parties and we were we were just an inclusive group, you know, which I thought you know, was really cool. I'd love for you to just tell maybe one or two. Um, I always love to hear people's God stories, um, transformation in people's lives. Is there a favorite God story, testimony of a transformation that you saw in someone's life when we were a part of this? I remember, so there was a, a girl on the an edge of our group. Um, she was actually from China, but she'd come over to the UK to be a student. And I can't remember who the connection came from, but from one of our, one of our group, one of our people, um, they had a connection with her, and she started coming to the, our I guess just started hanging out with us really and doing life with us and um, I just remember that she 
enjoyed being part of our group. She was our friend, you know. It wasn't like we didn't have this, you know, this thing where we were going to, like, we, I don't think we kind of threw our, our faith in people's faces, but we just did life with, with one another, and she became part of that. And I think as a part of that, she encountered Jesus. You know, she encountered uh, the love of God through the way that we modeled that with one another, the transparency that we had, uh, the the level of community that we had with one another. And it was attractive to her. And not only that, but because Christ was with us in the midst of that, she encountered Christ in that and was able to experience the love of God herself. And I think for me that was that was probably one of the best um, stories and testimonies that I can think of, uh, but there's multiple others too. <laughs> That's right. I remember when she went back to China and we, she had a Bible and she had, we didn't know what to, we wanted to get her a gift. We just bought her, I just found a, I didn't know what to buy. So I just found a book on discipleship and I bought it. Or I have no idea like what happened after that, but. I was reading through some of the testimonies, just looking through the Varsity Cluster group like before, because in preparation for this podcast with you, John, and it was really cool reading from one of our people who are part of our group and part of our community. They were saying that they went, we went on the larger churches like weekend away. And when we first started, there was like a, I think maybe a small group of us, maybe like 10 to 13. And even that, the smaller group within that, that was really committed. But then um, I think this was later on, we, we ended up having like 35 of us being at the at the group at the weekend away from the from the varsity group, and so we we had grown just primarily through relationships, and it was just I mean, and it wasn't just growth numerically, but it was that life transformation stuff. I think I really think that we saw, and I know that we did. We as a result of that, we made lifelong friendships, but also people saw their lives transformed. Um, I can think of one one of the guys who who was in the life transformation group from the very start. He was just living the university life and kind of just doing his thing and you know going out drinking and just living his life and kind of you know just doing doing university life kind of things you know um, student stuff that's kind of common in all universities around the world I think. But we saw him just growing maturity and growing faith and just saw how God. Uh, broke into his life and the love of God changed him and and now he's he's leading the discipleship course that we both went and did <laughs> you know over in Sheffield he's actually now leading that which is amazing you know absolutely. who'd have thought it who'd have thought that crazy absolutely that's how God that's how Jesus changes lives man thank you so much Andy for all your time thanks yeah. for sharing and being a part of this, man. You're our, our loved brother. You meant a lot for my own transformation. You bit, you played a big part. So your friendship and accountability and, you know, everything else. So I appreciate no, your time and, and being a part of this. No, absolutely. And I, it's been a privilege for me to be part of it. And um, thank you for inviting me to come and talk with you today. It's just, just really, really cool to be to be part of it. So Andy and I, we had this journey of discovering that when we just created a worship service, nobody came. But when we started to build relationships in the community, God worked through us and the church began to grow. Alan Hirsch, a guy who studies mission, uh, he's an expert in mission. He says this, the mission of God always precedes the church. 
if you start with mission, then God will build the church. It doesn't happen the other way around. See, many church models stress that if you start a modern worship service, we're going to reach younger and new people for God. And what I've noticed is that a lot of church plants or churches who are modern all look exactly the same. They sing the same songs, they have similar lighting, and they have all the same themes. But somehow we tend to think that if we can create a cooler Christianity, that people will just show up, that we'll reach new people. And I just don't think that's going to happen. In a recent article, Brian McLaren says that the church growth movement of the 1990s was based on the assumption that people really wanted to go to church, but there were obstacles. The music wasn't good enough or the preaching wasn't good enough. He says, I think that that was true of the 90s, but today people are saying, why would I even want to go and be a part of something like this? I think it's profound what... Um, Brian McLaren points out there. Um, see, we're still working on this assumption that if we build it, people will come. As you heard earlier, Andy and I, we really struggled with this. We started this worship service in a pub in, in Sheffield, England, and it ter really turned out to be a waste of time. But it was through just organic relationships of meeting people in coffee shops, through our social networks that we began to really build the church, where God began to build the church. In the Old Testament, the Jews built a temple. This was the old school way that kept God in a central location. The temple was built by Solomon and people to be with God, to experience his presence, would have to journey to Jerusalem to go to the temple. It was God's way of being with his people, but it was really, it, it was an incomplete system. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus comes and he moves among his people. He comes to earth to be with his people. I love what the message uh, translation says in John. It says that he moved into the neighborhood, that God moved into the neighborhood. He goes to where people are and Jesus brings his presence and is the embodiment of the good news in people's lives. See, God could have saved humanity from heaven. He didn't have to come to earth, but he chose to move amongst his people. See, I think a key place for you to start your outreach group is that you need to focus on the mission first. Think about who are the people that you want to reach. When you think about people that maybe aren't a part of a church or don't know Jesus yet, who are the people that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind? Now think about how are you going to meet these people? Maybe think about or write down some of the places where these people actually hang out and how can you bring the presence of Jesus into their lives? Next, what I want you to do is think about a team of people who will join you on this mission. See, mission is never on your own. Jesus always sent people out in twos and threes. And when Jesus says, whenever two or three are gathered, there I am with you. So you need to find the right people to join you in this adventure of mission. Once you find the right team, once you call the right team to be a part of this mission, what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of every single person in your team's social network. These could be your family, your friends, your work colleagues, or people who you are acquaintances to you and write their names down. These are the people 
that God is going to use you to reach. Here's the good news for today. You can reach people and winning people for Jesus is possible. God has given you a lot of gifts with the team that you're going to be a part of. He's calling you on a specific mission to reach people. Make mission the focus. If you make mission the focus, ministry will naturally follow. If you make ministry the focus, you will reach no one. You will become a holy huddle and it will just be a bunch of Christians hanging out. Take time right now to really pray for the people who you will reach when you start your missional group. My advice is don't be afraid of failure. Failure is an opportunity to learn. Mission is an experiment. Sometimes some things work. Sometimes other things don't work. Don't be afraid of failure. Again, think of yourself as a scientist. Experiment. You know, everybody's context is completely different. That's what I've learned is that just try a lot of things and think about and write down what has worked in your context. Thank you for joining us today. Um, make sure you go to thesendmovement.com to download your show notes. So I'll leave you with our famous question. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church Podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at j-o-n-h-u-n-t-e-r at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms. 